Hello again everyone and welcome back to the Underground. This is the Intel update for Friday the 28th of July 2023 and as usual it is being recorded on the day prior. Let's start out today by looking at some of the strategic trends, I guess that's what I'm going to call it. Basically general topics uh, that I'm keeping an eye on and that I think it would probably be a good idea to just kind of keep in the back of your mind as we move forward. Right up front I'll start with the intense uh, UFO rhetoric that has been pervasive over the past uh, couple of years mostly, but really it's kind of uh, reared its ugly head. Anytime something is going bad for the US government, UFOs uh, suddenly uh, pop back up in the news cycle. Uh, as for me, I think it's an interesting thought experiment. Uh, I've even considered uh, talking about uh, UFOs or unexplained phenomena from an uh, in intel perspective and how we should treat these sources and, and more along the lines of a doctrine kind of thing. Uh, but right now, I'm really just not interested in it because uh, I think the evidence is quite overwhelming that there's a lot of things that, sure, we can't explain uh, with regards to UFOs and stuff like that, but I also see nothing but government shills talking about this kind of stuff right now. Like, you know, I think it's purely a, an information operation, what we uh, now call PSYOPs. I think it's a fairly cheesy effort, and I think that it's a fairly low effort, uh, actually. I think most people can kind of see through it, or at least I hope most people. Uh, most people, it turns out, are basically idiots, but I hope that a lot of people can see through this and see, oh, okay, there's going to be a hearing on UFOs. Oh, it just so happens to be uh, right around Hunter Biden's court date. Real convenient, isn't it? So when it comes to UFOs, I, despite my own, you know, kind of, you know, passive interest in that sort of thing, I, right now, from a professional side of things, I'm basically treating this as one large information operation. I'm not really interested in carrying it forward too much, even though the news cycle and Congress and the federal government and everyone is saturated with this UFO stuff. I'm not interested in, in kind of bringing it forward more than just mentioning it. This is mostly because we've got other things to talk about, like everything blowing up in the country again. Uh, like I mentioned last time, uh, even though I hadn't been able to uh, pinpoint some of these infrastructure uh, incidents, right? Uh, they have continued, and we've gotten quite a few more since the last briefing, so uh, I haven't been able to work back in time to kind of build out the map a little further, but we'll, we'll work with what we've got, and it's a pretty good amount so far. And of course, generally speaking, the gaslighting that we have been living under for the past couple of years just continues unabated. Uh, it, it's gotten really, really bad, and unfortunately, the gaslighting is not really along political lines so much as ideological lines. So uh, I don't know about anyone else, but from what I have seen of mainstream media sources, of course, you know, their, their whole profession is gaslighting, right? But even among like supposedly independent journalists or conservative media sources, uh, which tend to give or which have historically given like a slightly different, you know, viewpoint on things, uh, it's like everybody's gaslighting these days. A lot of people are doing it unintentionally. Like, I mean, good grief, I've been personally wrong about a lot of things because I uh, took in a piece of information that just was a complete and utter fabrication. Uh, and, you know, that's happened in the past. You know, everybody has been gaslighted at some point. Uh, but when it comes to how pervasive this stuff is, man, I mean, you get gaslighted at your local grocery store. I mean, g good grief. It's pretty thick right now. Uh, basically, every part of society is, at least every part of society that I interact with, uh, gaslighting is most certainly a huge, huge problem. So with all of that in mind, and of course taking everything with a giant handful of salt, right? Let's move on to the individual regions, and we'll first start off, like always, with the Northeast region. First up in New Jersey, I wanted to briefly cover the uh, cargo ship fire that occurred a couple of weeks ago. 
uh, up in New Jersey. This was the cargo ship Grande Costa de Avorio, uh, which caught fire. It was basically an entire ship dedicated to transporting vehicles. Now, I know what everyone's thinking, and this is part of the investigation, but we officially don't know anything yet. Uh, a lot of people were wondering, okay, maybe this is to do with uh, electronic vehicles. Lithium batteries are exceptionally flammable, and they're very hard to put out. Uh, and basically this entire ship, a very large ship, uh, was basically a total loss. And as of uh, right now, we're actually tracking another uh, cargo vessel transporting electronic vehicles that is on fire. I think it's uh, right now off the Dutch coast, but I'll have to I'll have to figure that out. That's kind of a developing thing. Uh, I haven't been able to track down many details on that so far. Of course, it's really hard to say. We don't really know if the uh, Grande Costa de Vorio was carrying electric vehicles or just standard vehicles. It's really hard to say. But in any case, this killed two firefighters, which is uh, shows the severity of this fire and also how in emergency services you have a lot of crossover, but there's not a whole lot of training. So unfortunately, the deaths of these two firefighters is probably more of a training thing because the local fire department uh, who responded uh, did actually admit that they had not uh, undertaken shipborne fire training uh, shipborne firefighting uh, in a while. So uh, unfortunately, you know, emergency services are getting stretched, stretched thin and they're being pushed beyond their limits for, you know, all the firings that were happened, uh, you know, last year. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people getting out of the business. So we're seeing a lot of new kinds of disasters occurring, but also uh, an entire, basically a dumpster fire within the emergency services community for many, many reasons. But we, we can talk about that uh, a little bit more in a dedicated video. But while we're on the subject of fire, uh, let's mention the uh, construction crane fire uh, that occurred in New York City, uh, which caused a fairly substantial uh, event. I certainly would not have wanted to be a witness to this. Uh, basically, one of those very large uh, high-rise cranes caught fire, uh, which which led to a partial collapse. No word on any injuries as far as I've seen, uh, but it looks like it was a fairly kinetic event. So uh, just something to keep in mind, again, is that we're starting to see, you know, one of these larger trends that we're tracking is a lot of problems within our infrastructure when it comes to uh, workplace accidents. Workplace accidents, I, I don't know the specific data, I'm sure someone does, but I'm not entirely certain I would trust OSHA data at this point because they stopped tracking a lot of these uh, kinds of incidents and people stopped reporting them as well. But by and large, what I mean is it seems like there's been an awful lot of industrial accidents lately that are legitimate accidents due to either incompetence, uh, low, ma low maintenance, uh, parts wearing out and not being swapped out enough, uh, stuff like that. We've seen this quite a bit and it's easy to kind of point the finger and say, ah, it was a nefarious actor when in actuality it was mostly just incompetence and negligence. I've talked about this quite a bit, uh, but for those of you who are kind of new, uh, this is one of the reasons why we want to talk about these infrastructure incidents and put a spotlight on some of these, these things because some of these things are extremely nefarious and there is no reason why something should have exploded uh, and there is absolutely no evidence to support any kind of mechanical failure and it looks purely deliberate, uh, but the media will cover it up. And on the other hand, some things look a little bit nefarious on the outside, but when you look at them a little bit closer, you see, ah, okay, this was mostly just incompetence, and the company or the government is trying to cover that up. In general, this is what we're seeing more often. Now, again, we're, we suffer from a little bit of analytical bias because we're looking for these things now, but at the same time, we're fighting, you know, mainstream media, which does not want to show our infrastructure crumbling. We may not be able to pinpoint the reasons behind all this stuff, but I can tell you, even in just my local area, the infrastructure is beyond crippled. 
old. Like it's a it's barely functional in most cases, but also mostly a non-functional. Uh, it's like living in a third world country in a lot of uh, rural America now, unfortunately. Switching gears quite significantly, let's go over to Massachusetts, where I briefly wanted to mention the political targeting that uh, <laughs> is kind of a scandal that is coming out of the Boston mayor's office. So uh, Mayor Michelle Wu. Uh, is now in a lot of hot water for providing a Gestapo style, uh, basically like a hit list uh, to police uh, of all of the people that do not support her. And, and allegedly <laughs> on the list was uh, a lot of her political rivals as well. So obviously uh, details are kind of hard to come by right now on this whole incident, but uh, the mayor's office is pointing the finger at the police department, uh, saying that the police department requested a list of people to spy on and uh, keep under surveillance. And the police department, on the other hand, is saying, no, 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 this wasn't us. Uh, this was the whole mayor's office idea. This was like a miscommunication kind of thing. Uh, but in any case, <laughs> just a whole list of private citizens who are political enemies uh, to the Boston mayor uh, are now under you know police surveillance, right? So uh, this is no surprise. Uh, this is actually, despite how horrible this sounds, this is absolutely a norm. A few towns I've lived in, this was pretty standard. Uh, the mayor's office using the police department as their personal uh, personal hit squad, basically. Uh, I've seen it personally, so this is not uncommon, unfortunately. Uh, you know, we, we now live in a world where this is a, a very common thing, unfortunately. But I do want to mention it because, hey, this is kind of the first time that mainstream media has kind of latched onto this, and I thought it was kind of interesting considering the political ideology of the, the Boston mayor. Usually these kinds of things, when they're done by you know, extreme leftists get get uh, pushed under the rug, but uh, this one somehow made it through the cracks, which I thought was kind of interesting. But yeah, again, once again, you know, you have to remember we we may uh, complain a lot about tyrants in higher offices, but uh, more often than not, uh, the local local environment's a huge problem. So uh, just wanted to make everyone aware of that. Moving down to the southeast region, we've got a whole lot of infrastructure problems. Starting off in Louisiana on July 17th, uh, the Dow Chemical Factory uh, just outside of Baton Rouge. Uh, caught fire and exploded. Now this is a very large facility uh, just uh, on, on the banks of the river there and they uh, have not been helpful at determining what caused the explosion. Uh, local media and uh, other investigators have, have complained quite a bit that Dow has uh, not cooperated with emergency services. Uh, they basically have handled the thing internally uh, and of course, of course, of course, uh, Dow has stated that there's no contamination whatsoever and the air is perfectly fine, despite the fact that the majority of the plant caught fire and exploded. Uh, this plant, uh, just in case you're wondering, the section of the factory, the production facility that caught fire and exploded, was responsible for producing ethylene oxide, which is uh, known as a toxic industrial chemical. So yeah, a known carcinogen, uh, I guess, is perfectly healthy according to Dow Chemical. Again, not surprising, but I thought I'd mention it. Moving on up to North Carolina, we have a, a, mo a more high-profile event because it involved Pfizer. This was a uh, medication production facility, I guess is how I should say it, that was struck by a tornado and uh, the facility was a total loss. Now, it's not immediately clear as to what was produced at this facility, but we do know that at least 8% of all injectable medicine uh, in the United States was allegedly being produced at this facility, uh, including um, other stuff. It's really hard to say what was produced at this facility exactly. Of course, the company's not going to tell us, and you know the, the company's kind of sketchy history uh, puts a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts in our head, right? But uh, I guess we'll just have to see how this impacts other medicines that uh, that are being used around the country. 
And wrapping things up with Virginia, uh, there was a liquid natural gas pipeline explosion uh, just along uh, Interstate 81, just outside of Strasburg, up there in Shenandoah County, I think. Uh, it's a pretty remote area, that, that stretch of highway where the explosion occurred. There's, As far as memory serves me, there's really nothing there. Uh, it's, there's no switching station, as far as I know, or, or any kind of... Uh, pumping station or or anything like that uh, it looks just like a normal uh, pipeline piece so I don't know if this was one of those um, discoveries by machinery kind of thing if somebody hit the pipeline I don't know uh, it looked like based on the uh, imagery and and uh, the, the journalistic photos that we've gotten uh, it didn't look like there was anything in that area so again this is one of those things to kind of keep an eye on until we're uh, until we know uh, for sure that it was more of an accident uh, we have to kind of treat this more of a, as a uh, potentially more nefarious so something to keep in mind Moving over to the East Central Midwestern region, really we just have one kind of, um, I'm going to call this one an industrial accident because it does seem more accidental. Uh, there was an explosion at a Winchester factory uh, just outside of St. Louis, uh, which actually killed one worker. Uh, apparently, uh, a truckload, a uh, semi-truck full of shotgun primers exploded uh, and devastated a good portion of that area. Uh, it looks like the factory may be back online now because uh, it's been a month or so uh, since this, but it's really hard to say because, again, we, we very rarely get notification that, hey, this factory is back online. So I did want to briefly mention it for this region. Moving over to the west central midwestern region, just like clockwork, the uh, more remote area we move into, uh, the fewer details we get. So uh, there was an oil well explosion on the 18th of July uh, a couple weeks ago up in northwestern North Dakota. Now we have a whole lot of unknowns for this one. Uh, the exact site of the explosion, unknown. Don't even know which company was leasing the well, but it looks like there was an explosion at some kind of wellhead or pump or something like that. Nobody really knows, and uh, even though these events, I mean, they're decently common. I guess. Uh, but this one did cause a minor evacuation in the local area because it was along a road. So uh, I did want to mention that, that, you know, hey, this stuff kind of happens all the time. But even though it happens all the time, we still need to uh, keep, uh, keep these events uh, in the back of our minds. Moving down to the southwestern region, boy, how do I talk about this? I don't think I figured it out yet. I've said multiple times I've been trying to figure out a way to talk about the immigration crisis down on the southern border, but uh, for right now, I just haven't been able to figure out how to talk about this kind of thing because it's a very, well, for one, it's very political, but it's also very surprising. Uh, for me, just my own personal background, I grew up in the rural south. Uh, that's where I grew up and spent most of my childhood. So for me, uh, agriculture cultural workers picking tobacco, because uh, I lived in a very heavily dominated uh, tobacco area. That was a norm, and unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff that you kind of learn growing up, and it doesn't become strange to you. Um, so when you see uh, immigrants from you know Mexico uh, being sent all around the United States to these places where they're not exactly used to people fresh off the boat, so to speak. It kind of is. It's it's kind of interesting to see how people react to that sort of thing. Uh, because for me, it's just a, a norm. Uh, for me, it's it's um, not a pleasant memory I have. Uh, I will say that, but it's something that's fairly common. Uh, people don't necessarily understand what you know. Like I lived, I think, a quarter mile from a migrant camp. A very large 
large migrant camp. It had about 500 uh, illegals working at it, uh, living there, that whole facility. It was really just an old farmhouse that somebody had converted to to put about 50 people per room. And uh, yeah, it's pretty rough. Uh, so there's a lot of cultural things that come out, and it's very hard to talk about it unless you've experienced it. Now, everybody down there uh, in this area, I know you guys know what I'm talking about, but for a lot of people, like say in New York City, who are just you know aghast at seeing uh, some of the things they're seeing at uh, a lot of these, uh, I guess I guess they're calling them refugee camps or refugee uh, encampments, uh, places where they're sending all these migrants all over the United States. So yeah, as bad as it sounds to kind of say, and how and and how carefully I'm trying to talk around this sort of thing, uh, we saw the same exact thing with Afghanistan, right? We saw the whole Afghanistan crisis. We put a lot of uh, you know Afghans on planes and brought them here to the United States and set them up shop in in a tent city. Uh, at Fort Bliss in El Paso, and we wonder why we have some of the problems that we have. You know, when you've got an Afghan guy who lied about being a senior Taliban commander and he gets on the plane and he's now in El Paso, what do you do? You know, likewise with a guy who says, oh, you know, these are all my, my kids, you know, and they get on the plane and they end up in El Paso and you find out that some, you know, 60-year-old guy has a six-year-old wife. You know, what do you do with that sort of thing? It's not exactly an easy problem set to work through. And I think the majority of America that is not familiar with a lot of these problems uh, are now finding out uh, what happens when, when you've got uh, this kind of thing happening. So I'll just kind of leave it, leave it at that. I'm sorry that I'm having to tiptoe around it uh, so much. I just really don't want to paint this uh, incorrectly. I want to be as accurate as possible when describing the immigration crisis. Uh, and it is a crisis. This is a very serious problem. And... There's almost nothing that can be done about it, unfortunately, at least by the average citizen at this point. We're, we're seeing a lot of problems uh, with this, and uh, I don't really know how to uh, to get at the issue because, again, it's one of those things where we're, we're barely allowed to even talk about it in the first place, and even then we've got to tiptoe around it just so that we don't get on some list uh, and get taken out. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll just leave it there and move on to the West. Uh, so the only thing I have for the West is in California an interesting, uh, rather interesting dimension domestic spying case. Uh, and this, you can read more about it if you want. Uh, you can uh, research it because it's kind of gotten a little bit more uh, mainstream media coverage because of how interesting this is. But the story goes that a man in California lost his homeowner's insurance policy uh, reportedly. Again, all of this is reportedly, allegedly. So take it with a giant grain of salt, right? Uh, because he had clutter in his yard. And when he contacted the insurance company to figure out why his policy, why he got a letter saying his policy had been uh, just canceled outright uh, with no uh, attempt to mitigate stuff or whatever, they just said, hey, your, your, your policy is canceled because you've got clutter in your yard, uh, which is a risk for us. When he tried to contact the insurance company for clarification, they said, oh, yeah, 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 we, we sent a drone over your house and uh, we got some drone imagery uh, of the clutter in your yard. So he, of course, like I think most people would... Uh, uh, freaked out quite a bit and started digging a little bit further, escalated the issue, ended up talking to a lot more senior people at the company, which then started backtracking quite a bit. Uh, the company then started uh, retracting these claims, saying, oh, no, 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 we, we didn't use a drone. We used uh, commercial satellite imagery. In any case, uh, it looks really, really sketchy, and personally, based on the details that look, you know, what's most likely, I think they probably did send a drone over uh, his, his property, some kind of quadcopter or something. 
So, yeah, this is kind of an interesting case. Whether it's true or not is up for debate. I will admit that. Uh, but it's not necessarily something that's out of the realm of possibility. Uh, we have seen this quite a lot. Insurance policies have been canceled so often uh, in this country for various different reasons. You know, remember, we, we cannot forget what happened quite literally like last year. You know, people getting their bank accounts shut off uh, because they had the audacity to donate $5 to a charity, you know, but it was the wrong charity, the unapproved government charity, right? So they lost their money. When you've got, you know, politicians in the UK being locked out of all financial institutions, that's a problem <laughs> that's quite pervasive now, you know? Uh, so getting locked out of finances, getting your insurance policies canceled, uh, getting memberships canceled, subscriptions canceled, uh, this is a very, very common thing. Uh, I don't know if I would call it a norm just yet, uh, but it's definitely a norm if you have a certain political ideology. And by that, I mean you oppose literally anything uh, that world elites want you to, to go along with, right? This kind of goes back to the whole gaslighting thing I mentioned, like, oh, we're not spying on you. Uh, that's a right-wing conspiracy theorist. We're not spying on you. To, oh yeah, we're spying on you and it's a good thing. Uh, that's that's how it works, right? So, yeah, it's fairly depressing to think about uh, and I, I really don't like to think about it because there's really not much you can do about it. Uh, you really have to live a very, very difficult life lifestyle. Trust me on this. Uh, you have to live a very, very difficult and very hard lifestyle uh, just to get the tiniest bit of privacy anymore. So yeah, uh, things are, um, I would say, very challenging. Uh, very challenging in the world today. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and skip over uh, international events because uh, I am still trying to figure out what the game is, uh, specifically with a lot of things going on. For instance, the, the unrest in Israel. I don't like to cover uh, Israeli incidents because anything to do with Israel is a lightning rod topic, like I've mentioned in the past. And there's just no winning, uh, even though it's patently obvious as to what's going on. Uh, it just doesn't do very well to kind of get knee-deep in these topics. There's just no winning, right? For now, I just kind of wanted to clear the plate on the U.S. and uh, get a lot of these domestic incidents uh, documented, if nothing more than for posterity's sake. I think that ends up being the goal of most of these briefings is just to serve as a record of saying, hey, yeah, we knew at the time uh, what was going on, and uh, it happened anyway, so... That happens a lot, a lot of times. I think a lot of us are kind of in the mode of uh, recording things simply for posterity's sake at this point. I'm, I'm definitely in that in that mode, kind of getting a lot of educational stuff pushed out. But yeah, that's pretty much all I have for today. Thank you again for your support. Uh, I know it's been pretty rough out there for everyone, um, and it's going to get a lot more difficult uh, just to survive. But uh, we'll, we'll make it, or we'll do the best we can either way. And I guess that's pretty much the only option we have. Um, these days, I don't think we have any hope whatsoever for large victories, but I think that we still have quite a few small victories that we can go for. And if uh, the small victory is simply surviving another day in this crazy world, I think that's probably a good victory to go for. So, so yeah, uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap things up today, and uh, we'll have a lot more educational stuff coming out as soon as I can get uh, a lot of these videos edited. So, uh, thank you again for watching, and we will see you next time. And as always, fight in the shade.